0: This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church, and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm your host, Pastor Mark, and coming up we have questions from Sam, Susanna, Caleb, Lydia, and Noah. First we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's Big Question, and as always we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. We begin with a couple of serious questions. Our serious questions this week come from Sam and Susanna. Sam asks, why does the worthless shepherd get struck in the right eye, not the left? Great question, Sam. The passage referred to here is Zechariah chapter 11, which I preached on two Sundays ago. Now, since I've been focusing on one particular thread in the final chapters of Zechariah, the one that shows what Jesus will be like when he comes, I haven't been able to explain all of the details in each chapter as thoroughly as as we could have done. So this detail comes from verse 17, which is the last verse in this chapter. And here's how it reads. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. Now, this punishment is part of the prophecy against worthless shepherds or corrupt leaders. The reason that they're condemned is because, as it says in the verse, they desert the flock. In other words, instead of serving the people, uh, they exploit the people. Now, the symbolism of the punishment is what we're looking at here. Why is the punishing blow struck to the right eye, not the left? by the way, although the verse doesn't specify this, I think we can assume that the arm mentioned here is also the right arm. So, we could just as well ask, why not the left arm, too? Well, to understand the reason, we have to ask what the right hand or the right arm or even the right eye symbolize, and the answer is power. For example, if you look at Psalm 98, in the very first verse, we read these words, "O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Now, the psalmist here doesn't mean that God works salvation with his right hand instead of his left. God is a spirit. He doesn't have literal arms. So, what the psalmist is referring to is God's power. The power of Almighty God is like the strong right hand of a conqueror. Salvation isn't a work that we do. It's something only God's power can accomplish. That's the idea. So in Zechariah 11.17, it's the same symbolism working. God strikes the right arm and the right eye of the worthless shepherd, which means he crushes the power of bad leaders. He causes all their their might and authority to wither up. They're deprived of their strength and struck blind as punishment for their rejection of God and for leading the people away from God. Now, this is a good reminder to us that whenever we find ourselves in positions of influence, we should use that power to serve others, not to exploit them. And we should use it to guide them towards Christ. And now Susanna asks, if you weren't a pastor, would you still want to be a deacon or elder? Well, guess what, Susanna? Pastors are elders, so I am an elder right now. In our church, we call pastors teaching elders, which means they're the elders who carry the responsibility for preaching the word and administering the sacraments. But we also have ruling elders, and they govern the church. You might remember that before I became a teaching elder, I was already a ruling elder. So the short answer to the question is absolutely. If I weren't a pastor, then I would be a ruling elder. Now, a long time ago at a different church, I was also a deacon. So I've actually had a little experience in both of these offices. I've been an elder and a deacon. And now I'm the kind of elder who is also a pastor. Now, the main thing to remember here is that people don't become pastors or elders or deacons ultimately because they want to. They do it because God calls them to the office. In fact, I would say that if a person wants the office too much, that's usually a good reason not to have it. Because being an officer in Christ's church is not about ambition. It's about self-sacrifice and service. That's why I like candidates to be reluctant but willing. A good elder or deacon isn't looking for recognition, but he is willing to humble himself and serve the congregation of Christ. Now it's time for the big question. And our big question this episode is asked by Caleb. He has an interesting and challenging question because it's about demons. Caleb's question is, can a demon confess his sins and be forgiven by God? This is one of those questions I remember wondering about as a kid. The verse that got me thinking about it was probably James chapter 2 verse 19, where James writes, you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. The Apostle Paul tells the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and then James says here that demons believe so if the demons believe does that mean they can be saved well the short answer is no there is no plan of salvation for demons in the bible The whole story of scripture and the work of Jesus for us is focused on the salvation of humanity Human beings who repent of their sins and turn to Jesus are pardoned and saved. There's nothing in the Bible about demons being able to do this. When James talks about demons believing, he's making a larger point about the relationship between belief and action. Saving faith isn't just agreeing with an idea. It leads to action. A person isn't saved because they believe in the idea of repentance— They're saved by believing in Christ and following him. As I've said before, Christianity isn't a philosophy or a principle that you can agree with in your mind. It is a faith that you practice. So James makes this point by saying, look, if simply agreeing to the idea that there is a God was enough, then hey, even the demons would be saved. He's speaking hyperbolically. It means, of course, the demons won't be saved. They're destined to destruction, according to Scripture. But acting like you can be a Christian without practicing your faith is basically congratulating yourself on possessing as much faith as a demon. Now, throughout the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, we see demons functioning as agents of satanic power, tempting and tormenting, driving their victims toward idolatry of one kind or another. Although they seem powerful, Jesus commands demons with impunity, driving them out at will. And this shows that God is in charge. But we never see demons with a conscience. Demons repenting, or really demons doing anything particularly human. So when you think of demons, don't imagine them as human beings, but worse. They're different, and different in ways the Bible doesn't really explain. What we do know is that they serve evil that we must always resist them, and that God will ultimately bring them to heal and punish them for eternity. As humans, we are made in God's image, and all of us are called to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. The important thing is that we answer that call, and that we answer it by following Jesus wholeheartedly. Before we finish today, we have some fun questions from Lydia and Noah. First, Lydia asks, which is your favorite, milk or water? Well, usually I struggle with these questions about choosing a favorite, but this time it won't be hard at all. I definitely like water more than milk. In fact, I never drink milk all on its own. The only time I ever drink it is in combination with coffee. You steam some milk and pour it into some nice espresso, I'll drink it right up. But if you give me a glass of milk, I'll say no thanks. But I drink water all the time, and I drink all kinds of water. I'll drink from the tap because we have wonderful tap water here. I'll drink bubbly water. I'll drink water from a bottle. I'll drink it however it comes. I like it all. I'll drink it cold. If I'm brewing tea or making coffee, I'll drink it hot. Water is great. the only kind of milk that I really find tempting on its own is chocolate milk. I used to drink a lot of chocolate milk, but now I don't even drink chocolate milk. So water is my favorite for sure. And finally, Noah asks, who has had the most big questions so far? How many have they had? All right, Noah, you've put me to the challenge, so let's do some math. Now, this is episode 26 which means that we've had a total of 26 big questions since the podcast began. So we'll start by listing everyone who's asked a big question so far. Susanna, Noah, Imelin, Caleb, Joanna, Benton, Sam, Sam, Emerson, and Caleb. Longtime listeners will remember that we have multiple Sams and multiple Calebs, Usually, I don't give any hints about which is which because I don't use last names on the big question, but this time I'll have to give a little hint, so I'll use last initials. So, Emerson has asked one big question, and so has Caleb J. We also had one question that was anonymous. That was in episode three. Both Sams, Sam M and Sam VR, have asked two big questions each. Uh, Susanna and Benton have also asked two each. Emmeline has asked three big questions, and Noah has also asked three. Caleb F. has asked four big questions, but the person who has asked the most big questions so far is Joanna, who has asked five. Guess what? We have a lot more episodes to come, and if you're listening to this, then you might ask the next big question. So don't forget to grab a Youth Chronicle this Sunday and write down a question for me to answer. And whether you ask a big question or a serious question or a fun question, we all love hearing what you came up with. And I love doing my best to answer them. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Until next time, remember... If we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will always stand up to scrutiny. So until next time, keep asking the big questions.